Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, Equipped to Serve, a study in Paul's pastoral epistles. Here's Pastor Nick. Hey everybody, good morning, nice to see all of you. Well, it's about four and a half weeks ago, had a little bit of an accident, broke a couple bones, but uh, glad to be back with you. Uh, not quite yet 100%, but on the road to recovery. And I've wanted to be back with you guys for a couple weeks and um, glad that I'm here now. So, you know, a friend of mine told me this, I was talking to him, he's, another, he's a pastor, in, uh, in Europe, and he was telling me this. He said, God is right now, he's allowing your church to suffer together through what you're going through. And he said, you know what, that's a really good thing. It's really good for the church, it's really good for you. He said, because this is what the body of Christ does. We're one body, we suffer together. When one part's hurting, all the parts hurt together, we come and strengthen those parts that are hurt. And you know what? We have another opportunity to do that right now as a church family, because you might have noticed that our worship pastor, Mike, is not here today. It's because his wife, Marika, was in a car accident on Monday, a really serious car accident. And she's in the hospital. She is out of the ICU. She's stable, but she has a long road of recovery ahead of her. So, you know, here at the church, we're kind of handling things on that end as far as like, if you have questions about how you can help, if you have questions about anything regarding that, we just ask that you give them some space right now and reach out to us here at the church staff. We'll be letting you know as opportunities arise for us to care for them and meet their needs. But would you, uh, let's go ahead and pray for them this Sunday morning as we, um, as we get into our study. So Heavenly Father, we lift up to you the Payne family. Uh, we love Mike. We love Marika. We're so glad that they're part of our church and part of our leadership. And, uh, and right now as they're hurting, Lord, we hurt along with them. So we ask for your healing touch to be upon Marika. We ask for a, a speedy recovery. And Lord, we ask just for patience, for grace over her mental and spiritual state as well as her physical state. We pray for Mike and the kids, Lord, to have wisdom and to have grace and patience as they go through this, through this season. Help us as a church to know how to pray for them. Help us to know how to support them. But Lord, we look forward to you bringing them back here in person for us to get to be with them. But Lord, we just pray that you would surround them with your love and comfort in this time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we are in our study called Equip to Serve. You know that we like to study through books of the Bible here at Whitefields, and we're currently in a study going through what are called the pastoral epistles. Those are three letters written by the Apostle Paul to two young pastors way back in the day, 2,000 years ago in the early stages of the Christian church. And so these two young pastors, they were named Timothy and Titus. So we're studying through the books of First and Second Timothy and Titus. We're currently in Second Timothy as we work our way through these books. Second Timothy chapter two, we're gonna be picking up in verse eight today. So open there in your Bible apps and in your Bibles. And as you open there, please bow your heads with me. Let's pray one more time as we ask God to give us illumination by his spirit into his word. So Lord, we ask that you would speak to us during this time. Help us to understand your word. Lord, help 
Help us to put it into practice in our lives. Lord, we ask that this time of studying your word, it would transform our minds and hearts and shape us into the people you desire us to become. So Lord, we ask, we welcome you to challenge us during this time. We welcome you to bring comfort, encouragement, and insight. In all these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, several years ago, my wife Rosemary and I, we stood before friends and family on our wedding day, and we took vows of love and faithfulness to one another. We said those famous words, that we would be faithful to one another until death do us part. Now, every year, on average, 4.2 million people in the United States get married. And each one of those 4.2 million people promises to be faithful to their spouse for the rest of their life. A faithfulness is something that we as human beings recognize innately as being a very good and very important thing. In fact, you could say that faithfulness is an essential aspect. It's a foundation for all of our most important relationships in life, whether it's marriage or friendship or even a relationship with a sports team or a brand of, of things that you purchase, right? We often talk about being a faithful friend as opposed to being a fickle friend or being a faithful fan as opposed to being a fair weather fan. We talk about brand loyalty, which is when you're faithful to buy a certain kind of car or shoes or electronics or whatever else. To be faithful means that you're loyal. It means you're consistent and reliable, that you stick it out over the long haul, that you're committed and unwavering, that you have dedication and integrity. And yet, even though we know that faithfulness is a good thing, the fact is that as people, we have a problem with faithfulness. We struggle at actually being faithful. Of the 4.2 million people who get married every year, almost half of those marriages will end in divorce. So even though we recognize that faithfulness is a good thing, the truth is that many of us struggle with actually being faithful over the long haul. We struggle with being faithful to our promises. We struggle with being faithful to our commitments. And our struggle with faithfulness is a really big problem, especially, okay, we can say it's a problem when it comes to our relationships with others, right? But even more so, it's an even bigger problem when it comes to our relationship with God. You see, if you're not a faithful friend, it will often lead to the end of, of that friendship. If you're not a faithful spouse, it might lead to the end of your marriage. But then the question is this, what role then does faithfulness play in your relationship with God? Because although you have many relationships in your life, there are some relationships that are more important than others. And according to Jesus, the most important relationship that you will ever have is your relationship with God because your relationship with God determines so much about both your experience in this life and your destiny for all of eternity. And faithfulness plays a very important role in your relationship with God. Throughout the Bible, we see that when God enters into relationship with people, he enters into a particular kind of relationship called a covenant. Now, a covenant is a relationship between two partners who make binding promises to each other. Two partners, partners who make binding promises to each other. Kind of like in a marriage, right? Because that is a kind of covenant. 
So each person who enters into the covenant says, here's what I'm going to do. This will be my part in the relationship. I promise to do this. And the other person says, okay, and I promise to do this. And that covenant that they agree upon is then the basis of their relationship. And this is why we read in the Bible that when God entered into a covenant with people, he would often say things like, you will be my people and I will be your God. I will be faithful to you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll love you, care for you and lead you. But your part in the relationship, God says, is I want you then in return to be faithful to me. And what does it mean to be faithful to God? Faithfulness to God means obeying his instructions, doing what he says, treating him as the Lord of your life, following what he calls you to do rather than doing whatever else you might feel like doing instead. And that's where it gets tricky. You see, that's where it gets tricky because if you fail to do any of those things, obey him, follow him, etc., then you have failed to hold up your end of the covenant. Rather than being faithful, you have been faithful. Less. And here's the question. What happens to your relationship with God in that case if you have not been faithful, but you've been faithless? Now, that's a really important question because consider something that Jesus said. Speaking to Jesus' disciples, right, speaking to his disciples about the hardships that they were going to face as a result of following him, Jesus told them this. He said, but if you remain faithful to the end you will be saved. That's a pretty big thing to say. If you remain faithful to the end, you will be saved. So clearly, faithfulness is really important. And so what does it take to ensure that you will be faithful to the end? And what hope is there for those of us who have struggled with being faithful to God or who at times have been faithless rather than faithful in our relationship with God. Well, here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to see the answers to those questions. The title of today's message is Faithful to the End. And what we're going to see in 2 Timothy 2, verses 8 through 13, is this. Jesus is our example of faithfulness. He's also the reward for faithfulness. And he is the hope for the faithless. I'm going to tell you that sentence one more time. Then we're going to use that as our guide and as our outline as we work through the verses in this passage. You ready? Jesus is our example of faithfulness. He's the reward for faithfulness. And he's the hope for the faithless. Let's take that sentence and break it down into three parts. We'll use it as our outline for this passage. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. We are open for in-person worship on Sunday mornings with services at 9.15 and 11 a.m. Come grow with us on Sunday mornings, online or in person at 9.15 and 11 a.m. If you have missed any part of this message or past messages, you can find them all at besetfreeradio.com. Now, back to Pastor Nick with the remainder of today's message. All right, ready? First part. Jesus is our example of faithfulness. We pick up where we left off here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Paul the Apostle, writing to Timothy, says this, Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as I preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. 
This letter, 2 Timothy, it is the very last letter that Paul the Apostle ever wrote before he died. He wrote it from a prison cell in Rome. Just a short time after he wrote this, this letter, Paul was executed and killed. He was beheaded. And here in this letter, he talks about that. He knows that he is going to die, that he's not going to make it out of this prison cell alive. He says at one point, the time for my departure is near. Paul was an older man at this point when he wrote this letter, but he wrote it to a much younger man named Timothy who still had a lot of life ahead of him. Timothy was a young pastor. He had served for many years alongside the Apostle Paul during Paul's missionary journeys. And now at this time, Timothy was serving as the pastor of a large influential church in the city of Ephesus in modern day Turkey. Now that church was started by the Apostle Paul during Paul's third missionary journey. But after Paul had left that church and handed it over to local leaders, the church had begun to struggle. And the reason it began to struggle is because false teachings and unhealthy practices had been allowed to take root in the church and they were being tolerated and they had taken root and now they had really caused a lot of damage in the church. And so Timothy was brought in in order to take charge, fix the problems, right the ship, bring the church back to health. But understand, for Timothy, that was not an easy task because Timothy's presence in the church of Ephesus wasn't welcomed by everyone. And his efforts to fix what was wrong in the church were often met with opposition. And so Paul wrote these two letters to Timothy to encourage him in his calling as a pastor and in the important work that he was doing in Ephesus. But this letter, 2 Timothy, is special because of the fact that Paul knows that he's about to die. He knows that the very next footsteps he hears coming down the hall could be those of his executioner. And as a result, there is a sense of clarity to this letter. There's a sense of focus, which is that of a man who knows that he's about to die. And these are the last words that he's ever going to get to say to his friend, Timothy. This man he loves like a son. And not just Timothy, but he knows this letter is going to be passed around. It's going to be read by many other people for a long time. This is his last words that he has to say. You know, these past few weeks that I've been away, I, I've still kept in touch with the other pastors. They did a great job, by the way. I, I listened to all their messages, watched online, just like maybe some people are uh, doing right now. And so I would, you know, just kind of encourage them throughout the week about how to, you know, preach and what to say maybe. And one of the things I, I reminded them about is about something that I think about often when I'm going to open up the Bible in front of a group of people. It's a quote from a Puritan pastor a couple hundred years ago, named Richard Baxter. And I love this quote. I think about it every time I preach. He said this about the way his, he preached. He said, I preached as if never to preach again, as a dying man to dying men. And man, that's what we see here with the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy. He's about to die. He has one more letter left in him. And that's why this letter is characterized by clarity and focus on things that really matter. One of the things that really matters to Paul to communicate to Timothy is the importance of finishing well. It's as if Paul's been running his race and now he's rounded that corner and he can see the finish line. And from that place of getting near the finish line, Paul then turns and calls back to Timothy who still has a lot of race ahead of him. And he's saying, Timothy, don't give up, man. You're gonna make it, keep going. It might be hard sometimes. It will be hard sometimes, but it's worth it. In this letter, Paul is encouraging Timothy to be faithful to the end. And here in chapter two, particularly, Paul has been encouraging Timothy to persevere and be faithful to the end, 
even in the face of trials and hardships. And that's why he says here in chapter 2, verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ, because here's why. In the person of Jesus Christ, we see the ultimate example of what it means to be faithful to the end. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, Jesus explained to his disciples, For I have come down from heaven, he said, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus was sent on a mission by the Father, and he was faithful to carry out that mission to completeness. On the night before he was crucified, Jesus declared that he had indeed accomplished the work that the Father gave him to do. And yet, his work wasn't finished yet. He still had one great trial ahead of him, the greatest of all trials. And on the night before he was arrested, Jesus went with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is essentially, it's a public park right on the edge of the city of Jerusalem. Jesus went there with his disciples to pray and to wait for the people who were coming to arrest him and take him off to be killed. Now think about that. That is a crazy thing to think about. People are coming to kill him. And rather than running away, rather than hiding, rather than even slowly walking in a different direction, Jesus went and waited in the exact place where he knew that they were going to come looking for him. Now, why would anyone do something like that? It's because Jesus did not only come to teach and to perform good works. Jesus came, the ultimate mission that Jesus came here to accomplish was to bring about salvation for people by giving his life as a ransom for many. Now in Hebrews chapter 10, speaking about Jesus, there's this reference from the Old Testament that's, that's applied to Jesus. Essentially, words put in his mouth, but rightly so. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse seven, here's what it says. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. You see, Jesus is the ultimate example of faithfulness because the mission he came to accomplish, it wasn't something that was just limited to his three years of public ministry or even just to his 32 years of life here on earth. The mission that Jesus came to accomplish is what was written about him in the scroll of the book. It's what the entire Bible, and here when I say that, I, I mean particularly the Old Testament, the part of the Bible that was written before Jesus. It speaks of Jesus' mission and what he came here to do. You see, all the way back at the very beginning of the Bible, we read about the creation of the world, how God created the world in love, and everything he created, he looked at it and he said, it's good. And then God created human beings, men and women, and he looked at them and he said, it's very good. And yet those first ancestors of ours, given the choice between faithfulness to God and faithlessness, they chose faithlessness. Rather than trusting God enough to do what he said, they chose not to trust him. They rebelled against him. And as a result of their actions, they brought a curse upon themselves and a curse upon all of creation. That curse was the curse of sin, which leads to death. And the result of it was shame and separation from God. And yet right there at the very beginning of the Bible, at the beginning of human history, God spoke and made a declaration that even though we had made this mess, he was going to do something to fix it. 
He promised that one day he was going to send a person and that person would come and he would destroy the evil one and remove the curse. And the way he would do it would involve receiving a fatal wound that would cost him his life. And yet, through his death, he would bring about this life-giving victory over Satan, sin, and death for all of us. And then throughout the Old Testament, God began to reveal more and more about this person who was going to come, who became known as the Messiah, the Anointed One. We learn that the way that sins, as we go through the Old Testament, the way that sin is paid for and atoned for is through sacrifice and the shedding of blood. And God revealed that this promised Savior would be a descendant of Abraham from the Jewish tribe of Judah, that he would be a descendant of King David, that he would suffer and die. And somehow, though, he would also rise again and live forever. And that's why here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul tells us, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. The fact that Jesus is the offspring of David, that Jesus not only died but rose from the grave, this points us to the fact that Jesus is the ultimate example of God's faithfulness to us. Jesus was faithful to do all the Father had sent him to do. And as Jesus hung on the cross, we read in John chapter 19, verse 28, it says, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished so that scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. And then with his dying breath, he declared, it is finished. Jesus is the ultimate example of faithfulness to the Father, even in the face of hardships, trials, and pain. And Jesus is the ultimate example of God's faithfulness to us in that he kept his promise throughout the ages to bring us the Savior and Redeemer to rescue us and set us free from the curse of sin and death. And that's why the writer to Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, therefore, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and founder of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is our example of what it means to be faithful to the end, and his example is there to motivate us to be faithful as well. But, it brings us to the second part of our sentence, Jesus is not only our example of faithfulness. He is also the reward for faithfulness. When Paul says in verse eight, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead as I preached in my gospel. The word gospel, it means a proclamation of good news. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ, having been faithful to the Father, having faithfully brought about the completion of this great plan for salvation for people like us, Having done all of that, Jesus not only died, but he rose from the dead. Now remember, as Paul writes this letter, he knows that he only has a matter of days, maybe weeks to live. And yet here he is encouraging Timothy to be faithful, even in the face of hardship. Why? Because Jesus is not only our example of faithfulness, he's also the reward for faithfulness. Here in 2 Timothy, every verse of this letter drips with the awareness of Paul's impending death. So just think how incredibly important and meaningful it would have been for Paul to know that Jesus rose from the dead. 
Because the hope of the gospel is not only that Jesus died so our sins could be forgiven, it's also that Jesus rose from the grave so that we who believe in him might also rise again to eternal life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul the Apostle wrote that Jesus, he explained that Jesus is the first fruits of those who have been raised from the dead to eternal life. Now that's important because there were other people in the Bible who died and through a miracle of God's grace were brought back to life. Lazarus, for example, we read about that in the Gospel of John. A man who was dead for four days, Jesus came and, and brought him back to life. In the Old Testament, in 1 Kings and 2 Kings, we read about children who were brought back to life from death by the, the prophet Elijah and the prophet Elisha. And yet, none of those people are still alive today because having been brought back to life from death, a little bit later, they died again. In other words, their resurrections were only a temporary fix. They, they, were, a temp they were a band-aid on the problem of death but they weren't a solution. What's unique about Jesus' resurrection is that he resurrected never to die again. He rose again and he lives forever. And that is the kind of resurrection that awaits all those who put their faith in him. And that's why Paul can say here in verse nine that because of the gospel, he says, I'm suffering because of this gospel. I am bound with chains as a criminal and yet I have hope because Jesus Christ rose from the grave and because Paul's faith was in Jesus, he knows that even the end of his life here on earth will not be the end of him. Even though he will die, he is going to live. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have two in-person services on Sunday mornings at 9.15 and 11 a.m. And both services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com. 